If you're loving the Bible Brief, will you take just a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? We're having hundreds of people every week try out the show, and we want you to help even more discover the Bible Brief. Potential listeners depend upon your reviews to learn why they should listen. So will you do us a favor? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Join the cause to help the world learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Bad has gone to worse. The people have been cast out of the land. But today we'll explore the next stages of God's plan for this nation in bondage. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. Has God forgotten his promises? Those great big statements to his people and especially to Abraham and David? Has he forgotten the seed that was promised? This one through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed? The one on David's throne who would rule over an everlasting kingdom? Have all of God's promises come to naught? Has he abandoned them? It may feel like that at this point in the Bible story. The nation that God had brought out of Egyptian slavery with amazing miracles of deliverance? That nation is decimated and defeated. Instead of completely driving out the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, they've been driven out of the land themselves. Instead of defeating the nations, they've been defeated by the nations. But lest we think that this has been outside of God's plan, we need to remember that it's somehow part of the plan. God is using all of this to set a grand stage, to set up the context for the coming of one the Bible has mentioned from the very beginning the seed of Eve and Abraham and David, this man who will bless all the nations of the world, defeat his enemies, and rule over an everlasting kingdom. God also has a future for the twelve tribes of Israel. Exile is not the end. Instead, exile is another means that God is using toward a more glorious end, an end with Israel's tribes reunited in the land of Canaan under the banner of the coming king. The future is bright, even if the present is bleak. Now, in the midst of the present bleakness and judgment, God uses his prophets to both explain his judgments upon the people and to express hope of the future to the people. God tells the people that they're being exiled because of their sins against God and their transgression of his laws. And yet, through the prophets, he graciously shows them that the judgment is not forever. Despite exile, the people can look forward to better days. Days even better than the past peaks of the kingdom with David and Solomon. Now for the remainder of this episode, I'm going to do a flyover of some significant words from the prophets in the Bible that describe some of the future for the nation. This won't be exhaustive in the least, but I'll try to hit some of the high points for our purposes in this jog through. There are two categories of descriptions that we'll go through. One category contains descriptions of the coming king, And the other category describes Israel's national future with its king and the international effects of the king's rule. So first, let's take a look at the descriptions of the king. Importantly, as we've focused on the seed of Eve, Abraham, and David, we've necessarily focused on the humanity of the coming king. But the prophets won't have us miss the fact that he's more than just a man. Listen to some of these, and I'll include verse references in the episode description for you to look these up on your own. Here's the first one. The prophet says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
That is, the coming one will be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. In another place, the prophet says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Here we see the prophet showing that the king who is coming will also be mighty God, and this God-man will rule on David's throne in Jerusalem. And yet we see something perhaps odd to us as well. The king is also called the servant of the Lord, who will suffer immensely. In another place, the same prophet says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And yet later it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Somehow, this God-man will suffer for the sins or iniquities of the people and die in the process, and yet he'll also somehow see and be satisfied. How can one die for sin and yet see and be satisfied? Well, the simple answer is resurrection. The God-man, this king, will be resurrected, enabling many to be accounted righteous through his suffering. In just the three passages here that we've mentioned, we can learn a lot about this future king. He will be born of a virgin. He will be called God with us. He will be called Mighty God and the Prince of Peace. He will govern his kingdom in peace and justice. And yet, he will be the servant of the Lord who accomplishes righteousness through his own suffering. Maybe in your mind you're starting to put together some of the context that God's been setting up in the Old Testament so far. Yes, he's been giving descriptions of the coming one for the whole Bible, but the contextual items are very important too. They help us answer questions like these. How can people be counted righteous who are not? Well, the answer to this question has to involve faith, the key to righteousness, and atonement to cover the sins of the people. Apparently, this coming one will accomplish the atonement and the righteousness. And without the context of the rest of the Old Testament... We wouldn't really have a frame of reference for atonement or righteousness being accounted because of someone's faith. A second question is this. How can the coming king be God also? Well, we've had clues that God wants not just to be above his people, but also with his people. We know that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And we know that he made his presence dwell in the tabernacle and the temple. Is it a stretch to think that God could become a man? Not if we're reading our Bibles. A third question is this. How can we understand that the coming king will be resurrected? Well, there's only really one viable biblical solution to someone dying and then continuing to experience a bodily everlasting kingdom. And that biblical solution is resurrection. And you know what? The Old Testament helps us with that too. It's significant that one of the important prophets that begins the era of prophetic activity that we're speaking about today is 
he almost immediately starts his ministry with the first resurrection of the Bible, when Elijah raises the widow's son from the dead. This is just one more example of precedents that are set in the Old Testament that are exemplified in the coming king. We provide these questions and answers as just a taste of what the Old Testament helps us with. It helps us to understand not just the identity of the coming one, but also his functions in history and his functions in salvation. God doesn't just show up as a human on the world stage with no resume. He comes having all the credibility of miraculous deliverance, the preview of ultimate atonement, the promises to Abraham and David, and a promised future for the world. The red carpet on which the coming one enters the world is the whole Old Testament that testifies about his coming and his purposes in the world. And those purposes are what we'll shift to at this point. What are the national and international effects of the coming king? Well, so that this episode isn't a few hours long, I'm just going to share one of the effects outside of this everlasting kingdom that we've already talked about. Let's hear what the prophet says about this coming servant of God. The prophet records God speaking to the servant of the Lord. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This king will be the servant of the Lord who will not only save Israel, but will also save the nations of the world. Salvation will not just be deliverance back to the land that God will accomplish for the tribes of Israel, but it will be salvation involving the whole world. You can begin to hear the echo of the Abrahamic covenant here, where God will bless all the nations of the world through this coming king. And while I don't want to stop here concerning this coming God-man who is king over his everlasting kingdom, we need to move on to something important before we close. The future, specifically, of Israel. There are two prophecies I want to highlight. First is that God has a new covenant planned for Israel, one in contrast to the law that he gave to the people at Mount Sinai. One prophet says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin." no more. In the days ahead, God is going to make a new covenant with the tribes of Israel. He's going to actually write his law on their hearts. He's going to somehow change them from the inside out so that they can follow God from the heart, instead of trying to live up to the external code of over 600 laws that he'd given them. The covenant made at Sinai is going to be decommissioned in favor of a new and better covenant. We need to keep our eyes out for this, As we move on in the Bible story, we're looking forward to a new covenant. Finally, this same prophet gives an expectation of the near future for Israel too. A future that they can count on in the short run as they look forward to the fulfillment of all the amazing promises of God given through the prophets. 
listen to this time frame that the prophet communicates. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We saw Babylon defeat the king of Judah in our last episode, and here we see the time frame of Judah's exile. It's going to be 70 years until the people are able to return to the land of Canaan. God gives them hope, and God has a future for them. Sin hasn't won, and God hasn't been defeated. God has plans for the nation that are yet to be accomplished. Those plans are for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The plot of the Bible isn't over. It's thickening. God's promises are beginning to come to the brim and spill over. He's preparing Israel and the world for something big, something as monumental as God becoming man. Join us next time as we explore the time of the exile. What's happening among the people while they're in Babylon? What's God doing in the midst of the people's devastation? We'll talk about it next time on The Bible Brief. Have you donated to the Bible Literacy Foundation? We'd love for you to partner with us so that we can expand our reach and grow. Your support means more people will have access to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. The easy way to donate is to click the link in the show notes to this episode. Alternatively, you can go to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and click Donate. Thank you for making this show possible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.